Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. I'm your host, Nicholas Rapold. The director, Abel Ferrara, takes movies into the outer limits of experience and emotion, often challenging us with characters in the grips of moral and spiritual corruption. He remains a pioneer of American independent cinema, and a particular kind of gritty authenticity that isn't often seen on screens. His movies include King of New York, Bad Lieutenant, The Addiction, 444 Last Day on Earth, and the semi-autobiographical Tommaso, which had its world premiere in Cannes. His latest film is Siberia, which premiered in Berlin, and stars Ferrara's frequent partner in crime, Willem Dafoe. In Siberia, Dafoe plays a man living at the end of the world in a snowy wasteland who is reckoning with his past, his family, and his relationships. It's a dreamlike movie of memories and visions, with unforgettable scenes including a bear attack and an enigmatic moment with a talking fish, which Ferrara discusses in our interview. I connected with Ferrara over Zoom to talk about his filmmaking. Just as a warning, at one point there's some crosstalk about Jung and Freud where the audio gets a little hairy. But as ever, Ferrara makes himself clear and gets to the heart of the matter. Siberia is in theaters now, including Cinema Village, which is showing a special Abel Ferrara series, and it's also available on streaming. Where am I reaching you right now? Are you, are you in Rome? I'm in Rome. Yeah, I'm in Rome. I'm in the editing room in Rome. Are you working on a, another editing another film now? Or? We just finished a film called Zeros and Ones with Ethan Hawke. Oh, great. You're getting that ready for the fall? or Getting ready for Locarno, yeah, for the fall also. Lionsgate's going to release that too. Oh, great, great. I, I, I like Locarno. It's a nice, out in the mountains, yeah. suitably, yeah. appropriately enough. For yeah, me. <laughs> in the Swiss, um, and Lake. Siberia, I saw at Berlin last year before the world ended. And, yeah, right. Um, definitely was a mind-blowing experience. Where did this story come out of for you for this? You know, it's it's a Siberia of the mind a little. You yeah, you know, we started working on it. Um, you know, that whole setup of, uh, you know, a bar in the middle of nowhere. Two guys, uh, you know, working it. Maybe there's two, maybe there's not, you know. It's kind of thinking of two guys working in a place, both of them played by Willem, you know, using Willem. Um, we just finished. Um, we didn't, fi- you know, it's funny. We didn't finish. We hadn't done even thought of doing Tommaso at that point. But, um, you know, we had done Pasolini. So, you know, the idea of Willem playing somebody, I was wondering, I was thinking more of the, the character playing Willem or, you know what I mean? Uh, instead of like a deep dive into either a, uh, a fictional character or another one, what if we start? And so then we did two films back. One was more or less, um, you know, his life being kind of a, a starting point. Then we did Tommaso where it was my day-to-day life being, uh, you know, at least the starting point, you know, at least giving us a place to, you know, go yeah. from. Yeah, the movie, it's like, it's sort of like a work of philosophy for me because, um, yeah. you know, also, I mean, I guess you have that also Spike Zarathustra quote, quote in, in there uh, with the prophet. But what's interesting is that um, Zarathustra is the prophet. He came down from the mountain. But in this movie, Clint, I mean, he's, he's still in the mountains right now. So this is kind of a guy who's he hasn't yet gotten to the revelation yet. He's still working his way down. Is that, yeah, is that I mean, right? the film was, yeah, basically going over that mountain and coming, you know, and coming back. It's, uh, you know, the journey is, you know, away from home and then the return home. So that's yeah. what that's about there. 
could you talk about, you know, shooting in the mountains? Where, where were you shooting? We shoot in the Alps. It's called Alto Adige, which is in the uh, Italian Alps. We were up there, bro. You know, we were, we were there. You yeah. know, I mean, that was yeah, something I'm, we I'm wanted to do. Things. You know, I mean, we were, we were, you know, we wanted to shoot nature. I mean, it was just this point in time, you know, that I wanted to, yeah. um, you know, it was part of the um, vision of the story. You know, the locations became ultra key. You know, the desert, we, wanted, we weren't going to try to create, you know, we're going to the desert, you know. So we went to Arizona, you know, where Mexico meets Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, it's Apache country. We shot some of Mexico City too, you know, and then um the, the uh you know, we did a lot of that, those crazy interiors on a set, you know, and then we did a studio, the studio in Munich where we like were able to create some kind of yeah. you know, everything going for like a little bit more outrageous, you know, getting away yeah. from you know, straight up locations. Yeah. Even and they were all more or less based on real places, you know. When you're shooting there in, in the Alps or when you're shooting in, in the desert areas, do you find that you have new ideas that come to you when you're like on the spot and it's physically there for you? Did this Yeah, well, I change? mean, that's the beauty of the filmmaking. You know what I mean? I don't know about the story, but I mean, the beauty of the filmmaking is you're going there for that. You know, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in, 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 in what you know is going to be beautiful, extreme, you know, creative places, you know, visually, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, here we're kind of a little bit challenging. I mean, it's always a challenge making a movie no matter where you go. But we were going for some places outside of our usual, you know, usual box. Yeah. And, you know, with the scenes going from one to the next, uh, would you think of these as like dream sequences or do you think of them more as visions? You know, the point is you try and that's that's what the film really is about. You know, I mean, what is really the difference between a dream and uh you know, reality or, you know, how do you, uh, a memory and a dream, you know, or a daydream and a real dream or, you know, what's happened to you or compared to what you want to happen or, you know, the, the actual past versus what you wish the past was, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, it's, that's really what the film is about. Yeah. He's reckoning with the past and he's, he's getting to talk to his own experience in a way it's, I mean that's yeah. why I thought it's sort of like a philosophical thing because it just reminds me a little bit from you know texts you read in school where it's a classical dialogue a little bit you're kind of confronted right. with yourself you know yeah there's a quote from Saint Augustine in there isn't there right the idea you know that uh, what is it I myself or someone else yeah I mean that's the question right I mean you know what am I seeing when you see yourself I mean, what does it mean even to say the word I, you know? Yeah. I mean, who are you talking to? You know, who are you thinking about? Yeah, there seems to be almost like therapeutic sort of idea in here that you get to <laughs> go over. You know, I mean, it's almost Freudian as well. You have, you cut from, you know, these yeah, erotic yeah, scenes yeah, right, that you right. the mother, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess that's that's more Freudian than Jungian. Um, yeah, I also just wanted to ask about the scenes of like violence that you have in the movie. The scene with the murder house—that's how I think of it. Is that kind of like the first one? Like, the, uh, yeah, the first time the it felt you know, like it's it was kind a, of it's like yeah. What were you say? It felt like what I was going to say. It felt like world history was there. It felt like the way that you live in spaces where things have happened. You know, you have your collective conscious of evil, of, of what, you know, violence is, of, you know, in, in his world, 
You know, it could be a book he read about Auschwitz. It could be, you know, um, genocide in fucking Rwanda. It could right. be genocide in our, you know, I mean, we shot right where, you know, like I say, that was like Apache country. You know, it was the last fucking stand of those guys. I mean, it could be oh, personal violence, you know. I mean, in the same location we shot where those kids were bullying that fucking little dude, you know. It's, yeah. you know, so it was like his confrontation with what violence is in him, but, you know, he's not dreaming it, living in a violent world, you know? I mean, that, that shit's happened, you know? Yeah. It's happened, never mind it happened, it's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not between no, you and me, we're having a civilized conversation <laughs> about <laughs> art, are. about art and psychology. So, you know. Yeah. You know. uh, what I want to also ask that bear attack. Um, that's another thing, you know, kind of made me think of the Mike Tyson quote, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, yeah, right. And everybody's a plan uh, until a bear taps you on the shoulder. Right? Yeah. But that kind of really sets the sled in motion almost. And is that kind of how you wanted to start the movie that he kind of has this, you know, impact and then he's kind of launched into these into these reveries yeah i mean at some point we got all the lady ground rules of the movie which is you know you're not watching a guy serving coffee and, and rum <laughs> you know i right. mean he's you know that place you know i mean the existence of that place is not what it seems you know what's going on yeah. is something else i mean we're talking about primal fear you know, the thing with the bear, I mean, I've always had these dreams my whole life of being attacked by a bear, you know. I mean, I'm from the Bronx. I never even fucking seen a bear, but I don't, you know, so why do I have these dreams? You know, it just happens to be a, uh, you know, crazy, uh, I don't know why I have those dreams. Yeah. But, you know, when you make movies like this, then you could confront some of that stuff, you know. Yeah. If I keep having this fear of a, bear, a fear of a bear, you know, I have the opportunity to actually film it, you know? Right. To actually, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we have um, Bill Nielsen, the guy who's in that scene with Willem, you know, him and I worked together a long time. He's done all the, uh, like, I mean, he's a visual consultant. He does a lot more than just the stunt stuff, you know. Uh-huh. And, you know, the bear thing, man, you know, we did it with bear suits. We did other things. We went to L.A. to shoot, like, the only animatronic bear. You know, I mean, forget what we did. We never really confronted the grizzly but we came close to it you know so yeah it's a great i mean it's an unforgettable moment <laughs> I and mean, you know you talked about kind of confronting things when you make a movie what, what else were you kind of confronting when, when you're making this movie Ooh, uh, you know well that's a good question that's a good question man i don't know you know i mean some of the obvious thing you, know, you got will talking to his father you got that scene you know, in, in the loft in New York where, um, you know, Willem is, is dealing with someone, you know, Clint, you know, to call him Clint, call him Willem, whatever you want to call, you know. Probably just just the past, you know, just where we, you know, I mean, speaking for myself, like, uh, you know, maybe where we came up short, but we came up short because we couldn't, you know, it, it's like I say, memory, you know, you got the memory, of a conversation, but what's worse is the conversation never happened, you know? So maybe yeah. you could film a conversation that you should have had with somebody. 
or maybe you didn't have the strength to, or you were afraid to, you know? And so for us, we could exercise some of these fucking deals, you know? The bear's a good example. I don't think I've had any dreams about bears. I'm not saying the film is crazy of it. It's that we could, you know, do a deep dive into our own fucking shit, you know? You know, we do movies about the real, you know, I did the Strauss Kellum, we did Pasolini, we've done, you know, I mean, sometimes you could just really like, hey man, you know, go for the people you know the best, which is each other, you know? Well, you, you, I mean, this is now your sixth feature uh, with, with Willem, right? And that's what they yeah, say. Yeah, we're going yeah, plenty. This time, yeah, yeah. plenty. <laughs> I hope there's um, more, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in plenty, and uh, we hope there'll be plenty more. What, what did he kind of bring to it is, you know, in terms of him confronting things that, you know, to the character? Willem's ready for anything. You know what I mean? You hang him off a fucking cliff. You put him in a fucking room with fucking naked women. You got bears jumping out at him. He's in the desert. He's riding dog sleds. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and and not on a physical level. He, you know, but uh, but big time on a physical level. Yeah, you know, and um, big time on the emotional level. And he's yeah. uh, it's more than being willing. You know, he's um, he's an active participant in like let's get out there, man. Let's like cut the bullshit and get down. You know, so who cares? We've done six films. We're looking to get it into the future. You know, it's not a matter of like, can we match it? It's like, but it's not a matter of matching. It's like, it's a progression of when you're working in the same group and it's not just Willem, you know, there's people we've been working with throughout yeah. the process, you know, you start getting that. It's just easier, better. And, um, well, I mean, you know, I'm talking about. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I always feel like he kind of brings an intensity that's both like movies, but also like theater. I, I mean, I guess, you know, he comes out of, you know, yeah, it comes out of a Wooster group. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it, um, what was it like kind of directing him where he's playing Clint, but he's also playing like sort of an alter ego, but he's playing his dad. I mean, what, what was that like? You know, there's specific characters. So, we were, you know, you know, it was a little bit of a fucking, you know, um, you know, mirror game. You know, we try to keep the technical fucking shit to a minimum. You know, these are characters we know, you know, you know, we're prepared to do it. So we're not letting the bullshit get in the way. You know, I mean, if he's going to play his father, the focus is on him conjuring up the guy, you know, his old man. We got the skills, man. We, But we, you know, having the skills and pulling it off are two different things, but, you know. Yeah. I want to just ask about uh, some of the filmmaking technique. I really like the way you kind of switch between these uh, kind of night or, or twilight nightscapes. Right. Like you're using some drones there in, in, the, in the outside. Is that right? Yeah, we can. I mean, we, we use a lot of more drones than the new one. Yeah. You know, I like the drone shit a lot, but we, we kind of kept that to a minimum. Um, you know, we were shooting day for night, actually, in a lot of those situations, which, okay. I, which I really... I really like, you know, we're looking for the magic of it. I mean, you know, night is what, you know, it's night blue. I don't know, like, <laughs> you know, what is what? But, you know, the thing is when you're out there, you know, like what is the color of snow? You know, that's another good question. You know, yeah. like everything else, it changes, you know, it's constantly changing. But, um, you know, when we're out there in nature and could, could shoot this stuff and, you know, we're always going for the natural light, but, you know, we we're also on stages, you know, we're also trying to create dreams and mystery, and, and, yeah. you know, so we were, you know, this was a great opportunity for us because we had the wherewithal to, to, to play our whole, you know, the whole toolkit. 
lighting, drones, you know, middle of nowhere shit, very focused stuff, you know, inside yeah. caves, water, you know, we, you know, it wasn't a, um, you know, this wasn't a low budget movie, you know what I mean? Can you say what, what, around around, what, what, what was the budget on it? I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> I, I know, told, that's usually the case. I was I told specifically to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. I really, you know, we yeah. had we had enough, you know, enough to do what we need to do. Yeah. Um, one other element that I really thought was really strong was the sound. He really, yeah. really nailed the sound. Really. You know, I've been working with Joey since the Joey Delius, Joe Delius since, uh, you know, we've been working together since 1975. So we're constantly going for um, the music. You know, that's quality of the sound. And, uh, you know, work with Neil Ben-Ezra, who's was a sound designer and you know we got this great woman to take sound you know i mean we're going for nature we're going for the sound of nature I mean, what's the sound of snow falling what's all these incredible things and then you know to try to stay true you know because we're in places crazy places, and we got you know additional stuff steven uh sound walker i mean they gave us stuff from fucking north pole you know to stay true to the natural sound yeah then, you know, at the same time, it's a movie, you know, yeah. and the track is gonna, we gotta do our thing also. And then he's playing fucking music. I mean, that's the point of, you know. I love that the kind of Russian motif he comes up that comes returns and again and again. Yeah, that's a beautiful, yeah, it's called uh, Mother Russia. Yeah, you know, I mean, at a certain point, you gotta fucking play the instrument, you know, I mean, he's a pian piano player. Yeah. Is, is, is That's his instrument. I mean, in the end, you know, the film is a simple film. You know, and it's our, always our approach. I mean, you know, starting way Willem just plays things, you know. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, the composer's got to sit down at the fucking piano and play something. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you can't, you're not going to digitalize the world. I read uh, somewhere that one, I mean, it's actually on the Match Factory page. They they describe the movie as also having Isabelle Huppert and... Nicholas Cage in it. I was what, yeah, that was one, was you know, it took that. us a while to put this film together. So at one point, Isabel was going to play Dunya. Yeah. C-Shaw played that character, or the wife, the ex-wife. But there was going to be, um, okay. that was Isabel. At one point, Nick was going to play the magician. You know, he was very supportive of the film, but it, it was like a um, schedule conflict there. And then I have to ask, because I, I don't know, it sounds like it's Hebrew. What's the fish say? Yeah. Or should I not ask? No, I mean, what does it say? It says there was an event that happened in like 1995 or six in New City. New City's like a like a 45 minutes outside of above New York, right? And in a um, kosher fish store, they were actually cleaning the fish. A Puerto Rican dude and a, um, a Hasidic Jew was um, just cleaning fish or whatever, and the fish spoke to the Puerto Rican dude, but the other guy heard it, okay? Wow. And this is before viral internet or whatever, but that became a viral news story. And it's one of those things that always stuck in my head. Yeah. And that's what the fish told him. You know, basically, you're responsible for your own actions. Yeah, I mean, it's a little complicated thing, but that's what he's saying, you know? That's yeah. all you got. I, sh I should have asked that first. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever miss new york that you know that you're based in i'm obviously a family everything i had a family there um yeah do i miss new york sometimes i do miss new york you know 
you know, I'm, I'm, I might go down there back in a couple of weeks, you know. It's it's not a matter of missing. Yeah, I lived there a long time. I, you know, I have great yeah. memories there. I have not so many great memories of it. You know, I've lived yeah. through a lot of different New Yorks. I'm curious to see where it's at now. You know, oh yeah, I, mean, I haven't been there. I haven't been there since you know all this shit has happened. So, yeah. you know, Rome is cool. Willem also lives in Rome as well, right? Or yeah, he lives. In, yeah, he lives here. All right, I think that's that's the time I, I was allotted for this, but uh, really great <laughs> talking to you. Great Thanks, dude. No, nah, man, it. I think you hit all the fucking salient points, as they say. <laughs> okay. What do, you, you really, what do you really want to know? What do you really want to know? I mean, well, the name the name of my podcast is The Last Thing I Saw. So what I want to ask is, okay. what was the last movie that you watched? Oh, uh, uh, now you're going to ask me what the last movie I watched. Okay, it's a good one. Um, yeah, I don't know what the last movie I can't remember. You know, we've been editing these two movies back to back. We've been really jamming on this one. So I haven't really yeah. uh, I know so something I really liked and I can't even remember. What was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched, The Beta Test. Um uh-huh. it's all about Hollywood agents. Uh so it's oh, very wow. different. Movie. Oh, you know what? The last movie I saw actually was Strangers on a Train, Alfred Hitchcock. There you go. You know, because I was thinking about, you know, I hadn't seen it. I don't know. You know, that's one of those movies where when watching it, I realized I never saw this movie. But I had a whole idea of what it was, and I was thinking about possibly remaking it. And then as I watched it, I said, holy shit, I have a totally different concept of what this film was about. Than what it really is about, you know. What, what so, did you think it was about, and what did what was it? What about? about two guys accidentally meeting each other, and one of them, and, and in the course of a conversation, decide to kill each other's wives, thinking it was a good idea. I didn't yeah. think it was about stalking another dude. Uh-huh. You know, it was all about a dude, you know, setting up another guy, right? A homicidal killer who was already planning on, you know, doing what we had to do, and 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 stalking some celebrity you know so it's kind of a celebrity stalking thing with that whole gay um overtone to it which was really interesting and you know watching hitchcock played uh you know played a bullshit hollywood game with all these stupid scenes of you know explaining what's going on and then turning it up you know and going totally abstract with the fucking film and then getting into this crazy relationship between those two actors who, you know, were friends off the fucking camera, you know? And one of those, the, 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 the dude, the, the sociopath, I mean, he, you know, and then, then there was one of these films you watch and you got to fucking find out about all these people. And this guy killed himself right after the film. Uh, anyway, it was, uh, you know, and especially the ending that's spinning around on that merry-go-round. Yeah. You know, with those kids on it. And he's, I mean, I was so out, you know, he played the game of giving you all the bullshit normal you know, get the story across to the deaf, dumb, and blind every 10 minutes, you know, in case you miss something, yeah. you know what I mean? All these dumb fucking scenes, but he filmed them anyway. He, you know, he didn't give a shit, you know, where I would not even think about it, but he did them, you know, so what the fuck? Now everybody's up yeah. to speed, but then he'll be, yeah. he'll take it to a place. It was an interesting film. Yeah. yeah. Again, nothing well, I like I thought it was going to be. It was absolutely nothing like I thought it was going to be. 
I always felt like he was doing sometimes like the most twisted stuff, but just in plain view of everyone. If you just looked at it, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, no, that film was for sure. That last scene, these two guys humping each other and the kids spinning around and and, and he's got that merry-go-round going like a hundred miles an hour. I mean, you know, and the guy gets thrown up merry-go-round and killed, but they don't even mention what about the 20 kids on that fucking thing. You know, <laughs> but anyway, at that point, he didn't give a shit. He was just like... You know, he was going out with a fucking bang. You know, it was, it was a cool film. So you wouldn't you wouldn't want to remake it now, or you'd want to do totally different things? I don't think I could. If I could come, you know, I, I don't. No, I don't know if I could remake that next. Maybe I could do an original of the. I, yeah, I'll do the remake of the film I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll do an original original film based on uh, "Strangers on a Train." I want to do the remake of the birds. That's what I want to do. I, I think that think we're we're uh, we're that did it. Our journey. That did it. You did it now. Great. Okay. Well, I can't wait for people yeah. to see it. So. Uh, me too. Thank you. You've been listening to the last thing I saw with your host Nicholas Rapold. If you like what you heard, please consider signing up at rapold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music from their song Montserrat. Thank you for listening.